there. He is now in heaven. Um, and they walk into the temple. It's 3 p.m., the Bible tells us, on this particular day. They are going there for a time of prayer, uh, probably a time of the afternoon uh, sacrifice as well. And it was there that they lock eyes on this one man uh, who was broken. Uh, who has broken, the scripture will tell us, from birth. A man who had never walked. A man who never had the joy of doing things like leaping and jumping and, and walking. And Peter sees him, and they lock eyes together. Peter sees him and says, listen, I don't got gold. I don't have silver. You're probably looking for a handout. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus. And he grabs him, and he lifts him up and says, in the name of Jesus, walk. You're going to be made well. <laughs> man, the transformation. Can you imagine never having walked and immediately given that ability? Can you imagine never having had that and all of a sudden you're able to? What are you going to do? I mean, he's jumping up and down. He's trying out these new legs. He's like, wow. And he's praising God. Now, everyone in their temples no longer like just fixing their eyes on him. They're looking at Peter and John thinking, how in the world did you do this? This is absolutely amazing. And they're fixing their gaze on him. And Peter explains the miracle to him. He says, listen, it's not because of our power or our piety. It's not because, you know, we're holy men or we're powerful men. We don't have the ability to do this. Peter will say, fix your eyes on Jesus. You want to know how this story comes together? You want to know how this miracle happens? He says, it's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and he took this, his son, this glorified servant, and raised him from the dead. Fix your eyes on him. He's basically going to say that this is incredible, but faith in the name of Jesus. Jesus, this holy and righteous one, has given this man what Scripture is going to say, perfect health. He's made him completely whole. Now, it's interesting because... This is chapter three, and just in chapter two, something very similar happened. In chapter two, another amazing thing that blew everybody's mind, it was the giving of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the healing of this man. And in chapter two, you have this amazing event, and then Peter explains it. He tells a sermon. In chapter three, you have this amazing event. This man is healed, and then Peter is going to explain what happens. And he's basically going to say that Jesus is the key to figuring out this miracle. The only way that this man can be perfectly, have perfect health, made perfect health and complete wholeness is through Jesus. And not only that, he's going to do this. And I love this. This is, this is a fisherman. This is a guy that probably smells like fish, not like books. And he blows away the crowd by saying that this man is healed not only because of Jesus, but entire history of the Bible, all of redemptive history, Jesus is the key to the puzzle to understand it all. And they're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. He's going to say to him, listen, you know this Jesus that was just here in the temple just a couple weeks ago preaching and y'all were listening to? And a few weeks later, y'all turned on him and you said, crucify him. You know this Jesus that you've denied you know this Jesus that you've crucified? They knew that piece of the puzzle. He's now going to say, not only is he the one who makes this one whole, he's the one that makes the entire story of the Bible make sense. He's the one. And you killed him. He's the hope. And you denied him. And they're like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? 
This, this, is, this is incredible because not only is he the hope for this man who's broken, he's the hope for us to understand the Bible. He's the hope for us. And then we got to fix our eyes on him. We got to see him rightly, picture him. And so that's, that's our outline today. It's this incredible text that he's going to say, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is our only hope that can make us whole. So we're going to pick up the story. You got a little bit of a background in verses 11 through 26. So hear the word of the Lord. While he, and this is the man who was just healed, this lame man, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, now don't forget, this is in the temple. This has really got a very a Jewish flavor to this story. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and the righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of rest for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, what an incredible sermon that Peter preached. God, I thank you for the beauty of Jesus we see in it. Oh, Father God, I'm just so humbled and I'm just so needy of the reality that the Holy Spirit needs to come and speak through a broken sinner like me. Because we need to see, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus as the only one who could make, give us perfect health, the only one who can give us complete wholeness, the only one who can make sense of, of your story in the Bible, the only one who can make sense of this broken world. 
So God, would you come? And would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us ears to hear? And God, would you give us minds to understand? Would you give us hearts to embrace? And would you give us feet to walk in a manner worthy of your great name? Father, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to bring perfect health and wholeness to us? Would you use those things to make us more like Jesus? For your glory, for our joy, we pray all these things in Christ's matchless name. Amen. All right, you ready? Let's jump into this. This is an incredible text. It's an incredible sermon. It says, listen, don't fix your eyes on us. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because faith in the name of Jesus has made this one whole, has made him perfectly healthy. And he talks about, it's interesting the language he uses here. He says, faith in the name of this Jesus, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob glorified his servant, Jesus. Now, why did he use that language? And, I, and if you're, you're new to Christianity, you haven't read through scripture, it may kind of seem odd that that's the title he gave. But it's really important for us to understand because the language that Peter uses to describe Jesus as this, this servant that was glorified um, through this God is the language of Exodus 3. It's the language, it's how God himself described himself to Moses in front of the burning bush. Have you heard the story that Moses is, is in the wilderness and all of a sudden God is going to appear to him, God himself is going to appear to him in this burning bush that's not consumed and that in this burning bush, God is going to tell Moses, hey Moses, I'm seeing what's happening to my people back in Egypt and it breaks my heart. Hey Moses, I'm going to send you back and I'm going to send you back to Egypt and what I want you to do is you're, you're going to be used by me and we're going to take all those who are enslaved and we're going to set them free. And Moses, you're going to be the one who's going to lead them to the promised land. You're going to do it, Moses. And you're going to, going to do all these things and it's going to be amazing. And God's going to show miracles to you. As a matter of fact, so when you hear the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, you're hearing what is being told that this is the covenant God who loves and rescues his people. And this is how God describes himself when he gives his people the name of Yahweh. Interesting, in Luke 20, Jesus when he's being confronted by some Sadducees about the resurrection, talks about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Just a few weeks ago, in the same temple, Jesus was pointing to them and telling this is the reality of us covenant God. So why does Peter use this language to try to describe the situation? He's telling these people, you want to talk about the true exodus? You want to talk about the true one who came to set people free? You want to talk about the one who leads us to the promised land? It wasn't Moses. It's Jesus. The covenant God who frees us. And, you know, it sets us free from our, 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 our slavery to sin. And then scripture will tell us that we're all because of sinners. We are slaves to sin. How did God, what did God use to set his people free? How did they escape death? How did they get set free? Does anybody know through the plagues? What was that last thing?
thing that would happen to make sure that God's people were set free. Does anybody remember? The firstborn son was going to be killed. That's correct. How did God's people not have their firstborn son killed? By the blood of what? The Passover lamb. So what's being told here is this, this, this Jesus, this, this Jesus is the one, he's the true Passover lamb. It's amazing. It's told for us in Exodus chapter 12. But it's going to be, it's going to be Paul who's going to say to us in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, that Jesus is the true Passover lamb. That he's the one that God is going to provide, that through the shedding of his blood, death will pass over us. That through his death, we will be set free from what enslaves us, a sin. And through that he is the true one that, that leads us to the promised land of, of having a relationship with the Father. He's the only way, the only truth, the only life. That Jesus is basically the true exodus. I love this. He's basically calling, listen, the God of, of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He has glorified his servant. Why? Because Jesus is the true Passover lamb. If you ever want to have wholeness, if you want your sins forgiven, if you want to be set free, it's only through Jesus. Wow. And he goes, by the way, the one who's the true Passover lamb, well, you delivered him over and denied him. Uh, the one who sets you free, well, you said to crucify him. The one who will lead you to the promised land, you didn't listen to him. Faith in his name. But then he goes on and says more. Faith in the name of Jesus, the holy and righteous one, it says in verse 14. Do you know what now he's alluding to? Now he's alluding to the suffering servant. He calls him this, the, the, the servant that God glorifies. In the book of Isaiah, written 700 years before Jesus arrived, there's so many great things in Isaiah, but he tells us this, Part of the story at the end, uh, in, in chapters 52, the end of 52 and 53, it will tell us of a servant who will come. Now, I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to know, this was written 700 years before Jesus came. And I'm going to pick up, and, and if you have your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 52, I'm going to start in verse 13. God's word says this, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. What do we just hear? That the glorified servant, this is the one, this is Jesus. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred behind, beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him for that which has not been told uh, them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, my men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that was before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By the oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And for his generation, who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it is well, it is the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When the soul makes an offering of guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be counted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercessions for the transgressors. This is, I know that was a long reading, but what this is saying is this, this holy and righteous servant, he's the one that Isaiah said, he was gonna be pierced for our transgressions. He was broken for us. He's the one that our iniquity would he was placed on him. And it says in verse 19 that our sins are blotted out. The only way that a holy God can accept you and me is he has to deal with our sin. And the only way that he could deal with our sin is got to be covered by blood. And the only way that that blood to really work, it has to be the spotless blood of the lamb. And that is that servant who was pierced for us, who was broken, that God put all of our iniquity, all our brokenness on him and pierced him. And this is what Peter is saying. This is Jesus, this holy and righteous one. This is the one you killed the author of life. You killed the one who was pierced for us. But you got to see Jesus rightly as that Passover lamb. See Jesus rightly as that suffering servant. Thirdly, faith in the name of Jesus, the prophet God raised up like Moses. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses says, listen, another prophet's coming like me. He's going to be the same way. He's going to speak. And you got to make sure you listen to him, whatever he tells you in verse 22. But Jesus is not only that prophet who was to come. He's even better than Moses. There's a really cool story in the Gospels, in each one of the Synoptic Gospels. But in Matthew chapter 17, there's this Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus takes his big three, the three that he hangs out with the most, Peter, James, and John. He takes the big three and they go up to this mountain. And on top of this mountain, he's transfigured before them. He kind of appears to them as, as the veil of flesh is taken away and they could see him as holy God. And they're terrified. But while he's being transfigured, something miraculous happens. Moses and Elijah shows up. And you scratch your head and say, what's going on up there? Well, it's interesting because Moses represents the law. I mean, the law comes through Moses. And Elijah represents the prophets. And there you have, there you have on this mountain, you have the law, the prophets, and Jesus all together. And Peter says, he doesn't know what he's saying. He's like, this is amazing. 
Here, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna build a platform, a tent for Moses. I'm gonna build a platform tent for Elijah. And I'm gonna build a platform tent for Jesus. Because all these guys are like the heroes. I mean, there are the three heroes right here. And all of a sudden the father speaks from heaven and says, yo, Peter, this one right here, Jesus, he's my beloved son. The one you listen to is Jesus. You see the law that came from Moses? It pointed to Jesus. You see the law that came through Moses? Fulfilled in Jesus. You know, the prophets like Elijah who came, they all pointed to Jesus. So you want to know who to listen to, Peter? You, you don't put them all in the same line. You don't put them all in the same row. You don't put Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah. They, 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 they just point to him. And they say they all disappeared but Jesus. And he was the only one standing. He is the one we listen to because he's the son. We read it this morning in our worship, as we call the worship, that God spoke to us in different ways through the prophets. But man, when he speaks to us through his son, it's, it's to drop the microphone. There's no one else we need to listen to. The one we listen to is God's son in the flesh, who's, who's the word of God made flesh. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because uh, there's a very a group of wonderfully moral people that might ring your doorbell. They might have a name on there, their brother, brother so-and-so from the Mormon church. And they, I'm telling you, they're very moral people. But I get angry with them. And the reason I get angry with them is because they want to say that Jesus' word wasn't enough. Listen to this. That's this guy named Joseph Smith would show up in all places, upstate New York. I'm from upstate New York, believe me. That, that he would show up and have another word Another word needed to be spoken because Jesus' word was not enough. No. His word, it's interesting too, it says this. Listen, if you don't listen to his word, you perish. You guys have heard me preach, know that I love preaching of the riches of Christ and the beauties of Christ. I'll never stop. But part of the reality is if you're not listening to Jesus, I mean, he's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other hope but listening to him. Who else are you listening to? Without him, we perish. So this is the prophet that God has raised up. This is the son. We need to listen to him and no one else. And if we don't, we perish. There's a serious warning there. And then he says, faith in the name of Jesus. He's the pro pro promised offspring of Abraham that will bless all the families of the earth. It's interesting. Now he's quoting Genesis 12. And this is where God came to Abraham and says, Abraham, through your seed, through your offspring, all the nations will be blessed. It's incredible. This was an old man who had an old wife that had no children. And God says, I'm going to bless everybody through you, through this seed. How is this going to be? Well, this is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And who is the seed that was to come that was going to bless all the families of the earth? It's Jesus. Galatians 3 will say it's not seeds plural, it's seeds singular. And again, we see this beautiful, the story of the Bible is a promised seed to come to make all things new. It starts in Genesis 3.15 that a seed will come that will destroy Satan's head. A seed will come that will bless all the nations and the seed to come is Jesus. So here you have Peter who says, you want to know who made this man whole? It's Jesus. You want to know who makes the whole story of the Bible? It's Jesus. You want to know how all the promises of the Bible are fulfilled? It's Jesus. He is the one. 
He is the seed that was to come that blesses all the nations. He is the prophet that comes that speaks as the son. He is the suffering servant that was pierced for our transgressions. He is the one and only Jesus. He's the Passover lamb. So what are we to do? It says that blessings come by repenting and believing, faith in his name, believing in the name of Jesus, repenting, <laughs> repenting. It says repent. That's what you're supposed to do. Turn from your ways. What does that look like for us? Repent of the reality that our sins drove him to the cross. Repent of that reality. But I think there's more for us this morning. Repent for not seeing Jesus rightly. I mean, do you see him as the absolutely only way truth of life of all of your life is that puzzle piece that makes your life make sense give him the dignity and beauty that he deserves repent for any wrong view we have of jesus believe have faith and jesus says if if uh tells us that in the gospel if we come to him we will have perfect health now what does that mean that needs to be unpacked doesn't it the greek word there means this that in Christ Jesus, we have complete wholeness. How many here feel like they have complete wholeness? We see that you are made new in Christ Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. You're robed in Christ's righteousness. And in Christ Jesus, we have complete wholeness now. I love the way that Hebrews 10, 14 says this, that through one sacrifice, he has made forever perfect those who are being made holy. We are in one sense Declared not guilty, our justification. We are forever perfect in Christ Jesus now, never going to change, but we're also growing and becoming more like Him. That we are made like Him now, that right now our sins can be blotted out. In the reality of Christ, your brokenness today, tomorrow, and forever blotted out, covered in Christ Jesus. He says that there are times of refreshing now in the presence of the Lord. There's good news today, but there's also a time of waiting. The restoring of all things is still yet to come. Here's the point. Let me see if I make this clear. The brokenness of your life can be solved in Christ Jesus. And if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, there is perfect health and wholeness for you now in Christ. There, but there's more to come. You're still going to wrestle. There's still going to be struggles. There's still going to be issues and trials. But he will finish everything he starts. We need to fix our gaze on Jesus, the one who gave us his health. We need to listen to him, listen to him through the ears of faith, that he will lead us to the promised land. In a world of information, what are you listening to? Are you listening to God? Repent and believe. All of the blessings of God's promise to us are found in Christ Jesus.